630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Well, good evening, ladies and gentlemen, as we roll into another offseason, another early offseason for the Edmonton Oilers, who have now missed the playoffs in 12 of the last 13 seasons. The postseason will begin on Wednesday. That is going to be fun to watch. We'll uh, talk about some storylines with Kelly Rudy later on tonight on Inside Sports. Hey, I just want to let you know this is going to be fun. We're we're doing a road trip on Thursday. Inside Sports will be live from the Allen Cup in Lacombe, Alberta, being hosted by the Generals. The Generals on the ice later on tonight against Southeast. That's the Manitoba champion. This afternoon, the tournament started with Rosetown beating Innisfail 3-2. Joel Quenville back on the bench. He has been hired by the Florida Panthers. The deal reported to be five years, worth over $30 million. Quenville, 890 wins in his career. He replaces Bob Bugner, who was fired yesterday. Buffalo fired Phil Housley. Lots of reports that Todd McClellan will wind up as the coach of the Sabres, so we'll keep an eye on that. And the St. Louis Blues re-signing Jay Bomeister to a one-year extension worth $3.25 million. You can reach out tonight by texting 630-630. You can also call 780-496-0063. Get me on Twitter at Reed Wilkins and our email inside sports at 630ched.com. So today, end of season media availability. You got Oilers Entertainment Group CEO Bob Nicholson at the podium and sitting next to him, acting GM, interim GM, whatever you want to call him, Keith Gretzky. So you have the guy who's hiring the next general manager sitting next to the man who wants to be the general manager. Uh, I was a little surprised they came out side by side because you have Bob Nicholson sitting there saying uh, nice things about Keith Gretzky. Oh, but I'm not necessarily going to hire him. And uh, you have Keith Gretzky saying things like this. Well, first of all, I do want to be the GM, and there's lots of candidates. And as Bob mentioned, there's his work he has to do, and and uh, you have to accept the process and and move forward. And you know, right now it's about the team. We have to get ready for the draft, and you know, then we'll you know discuss it after the draft. Okay, so that last part about discussing it after the draft that w- was related to Gretzky potentially staying with the team if he's not the general manager. My gut tells me is that he wouldn't do that, that that if he does the job for a few months here, preps for the draft, and then is told we're going to go with this other guy, uh, my gut would tell me that, that he would not stick around in that circumstance. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, Gretzky did say, though, hey, don't forget, I've been with this organization for three years. You know, everybody has their assets of, that, uh, you know, make them the guy. Um, with me, it's I have the knowledge of being around for three years. I know what's in our system. I know what we have coming up. Um, and I think being around for two and a half months every day and watching practice and the games, you have a better handle of you know, players themselves as not just the hockey player, but off the ice. I think it's very important to have a rapport with them. Uh, I think I've done that. Um, and of course, I have a plan. You have to be ready, and, and you know, I, I'm confident of what we need and to improve this club. But you're not going to get it today, so sorry. All right. 
Yeah, we'll we'll have clips from the the news conference throughout the show. I'm sure a lot of you might listen to it live on Global News Radio at eighty, or or uh, looked at stuff on our website. For for me, what was I looking for going into that press conference? Well, an update on Connor McDavid, just in case there was something really bad. We can't go too far on it. We're still evaluating it, but it's not as serious as we thought. But it's it's Connor. It's an injury. It's serious for our organization. So that's Bob Nicholson. So obviously, any, anything related to Connor McDavid's health is going to be taken seriously. The X-ray Saturday night, shortly after the injury, no breaks. The MRI, so we're not getting a lot of details about the MRI. It doesn't appear to be anything really serious. And I guess when I talk about really serious here on April 8th, something that would keep him out of training camp or into the start of next season. It doesn't sound like that. You know, maybe there, there's obviously something they're going to have to monitor, um, but it, it doesn't sound like this is something debilitating or long-term. So that is good. So what did I want out of it? I wanted the update on McDavid. Uh, other than that, I got to be honest with you, I didn't expect to hear anything earth shattering. I mean, Bob Nicholson has uh, addressed a lot of the concerns about the franchise and uh, answered questions about hiring a GM in the past couple of weeks publicly, either in the media or at the season seat holder luncheons and breakfasts. He did say today that he is getting more leeway than he thought he would from most of the NHL teams to talk to staff of teams in the playoffs. So, you know, assistant GMs of teams who are in the playoffs, that he may have permission to talk to them, interview them while their teams are still going. May not get permission to hire them while they're still going, but certainly permission to talk to them. So maybe that gets this process going along a little quicker. So that uh, stuck out to me. I played the Keith Gretzky clip. Uh, that stuck stuck out to me that he was, you know, pretty out there that he wants the job and he thinks he can do the job. I can't blame him for that. I mean, other than that, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, of course, Bob Nicholson's going to say there's a plan. Of course, he has to say that they have to look at every area of the organization. Of course, they have to do that. When, you know, either it's it's they're going to hire people who can improve it or, or get people in the right spots or they won't. I mean, that's what you're going to say at this point, right? It's like saying, it's like if your buddy comes up to you and says, by the start of September, I'm going to have lost 30 pounds. Sounds like a great plan. How are you going to do it? How are you going to commit to it? Can you actually do it? Uh, I mean, we we've heard this before, and I'm not, obviously they're sincere. Obviously they want to do it. And I'm sure there is a plan. Is it viable? Is it executable? Is it one that that somebody can execute, whether it's Keith Skresky or somebody else? So, I mean, I expected to hear that, uh, but I'm not going to get... I'm not trying to be cynical, but I'm not going to get excited about it. I'm not going to discount the possibility of it either, but uh, I just think a a franchise in the situation the Oilers are in and have been in for so long, obviously, uh, you're going to say that, and you're probably not going to reveal it i mean keith gretzky joked in that one clip i have a plan i'm not going to tell you what it is so that's where i'm kind of at with what i was expecting going in and what i heard nothing uh, overly surprised me i guess a little bit surprised about that nicholson's getting already getting some permission to talk to people uh that that that's cool you got to interview people you got to find somebody that wants the job i still think kelly mccrimmon is one of if not the best candidates for this job given his experience, given his success with Vegas. Um, is he, are they going to talk to him? I'm sure they will. 
I don't know where it's going to go from there. We have Mike on the line. Go ahead, Mike. Hey, Reed. Hello. Um, I was at the game in Calgary uh, to see Leon get his 50th. That was uh, pretty great. Cool. Uh, there, there's a definite di- – I didn't think we were going to win that hockey game. Um, I thought they were going to exhale after Leon scored, but uh, they kind of kept going. But there's a major difference between the Calgary Flames right now and the Edmonton Oilers. Um, when Calgary retrieves the puck in their own end, uh, they, they don't make a lot of mistakes. They make passes to each other, and they come down as a unit, and they gain the zone and uh, kind of have a dangerous attack. Um, when we hit the puck, it's still a helter-skelter kind of game. Um, when we do kind of get out, outside our blue line, we can become a dangerous team. But we are pretty thin up front. Um, Hitchcock was, you know, juggling just to have enough personnel to kind of be dangerous. He, there was times where he had Drysaitel out there with um, Gagne and uh, Nuge, and uh, I mean, really, he had he had about six players that he was using in all sorts of different combinations to try to have an attack. Um, that that's a problem at the NHL level. Yeah, big problem. Um, t- today, you know, listening to uh, Bob's presser there, I I kind of, uh, I wonder what everybody's role is because I think we as fans get sort of told what they want us to hear, but I don't know where the truth is. Like, I don't want to see um, people fired that don't both need to be fired. You know, a baby out with the bathwater routine because uh, I, I see like Bakersfield as coming along. And that's a real positive thing. So if Craig McTavish is really responsible for what's going on down there, then I think he deserves to hang on to his job, uh, whether he's old boys club or, or, or whatnot. But I don't really know <laughs> what everybody's defined role is. But there's there's been a definite problem with pro scouting. I mean, yeah. if I look at it this year, the only trade that I would call a win was collecting Sam Gagne you know, out of the minors from Vancouver for Ryan Spooner. Yeah, that's fair. That's the only win I would give him. Yeah, well, and I mean, even, I mean, I think Shirelli might have isolated himself a little bit and just done what he wanted, but but even so, you you would hope somebody in the pro scouting department would have said, like, uh, Brandon Manning is not what we need. You know what I mean? But I th- yeah. obviously he was fixated on that player. Anyway, I don't want to break down Shirelli's era again. I think we've, I, I we've been there. I only have one more thing, Reed. Yep. Um... The other thing that Bob said is that Shirelli had full autonomy. Um, I, I think there's, I see two problems with that. Either he did and we gave him way too much rope. Yeah. Or that, or that's a smoke screen for what was really going on. Yeah, I think, I mean, I've talked about that before. Uh, a GM, I, and I mean, Brian Burke has talked about this on Bob's show. If you're going to make a move, you still have to tell your owner and your president, if if they might not have a president. Like, you still have to say, I'm going to do this. And then I don't think the people who hired him to make those moves necessarily want to meddle in it. Um, but by the same token, there should be more organizational input somewhere to say, like, we, you, you, like, you can't be serious. Like, you can't actually want this guy for that guy. So... I don't know. I mean, the new GM has to have a strong personality. He has to have a good pro and amateur knowledge. I, I think Keith Gretzky has the amateur knowledge. I, I don't know as much. He, well, I know he hasn't been involved in much in the pro side. 
I, I keep coming back to McCrimmon's name, and that's based on what I see in Vegas and obviously what people tell me about him because I, I don't know the guy personally, but I don't know if Vegas is going to let him go or if he's going to want to come to Edmonton. That's the issue. Mike, you've been great throughout the season. I hope you keep listening throughout the spring and the summer. Thanks, Reed. All right, 780-496-0063. More of your calls as we move along. More comments from earlier today. Quick timeout on Inside Sports. All right, the gentleman next up on the open line is calling for one of three reasons. He either wants to lament Innisfail's loss in the opening game of the Allen Cup this afternoon, or he wants to offer me a free round of golf at the beautiful Innisfail golf course, or he wants to break down the Oilers season. Serious Gord, which of the three is it going to be? Uh, you can have two out of three. You want to come down and have a game of golf? Yes, I do. Well, let me know. Okay. We can make it happen. <laughs> I would love that. Yes, my house is like a block from there, so we're good. Oh, amazing. All right. Well, let's move <clears throat> we're on. So, uh, I think the theme of tonight's conversation is Groundhog Day. Um here we are yet again talking about another lost season. Um, but to me, I don't know about you, uh, Reed, but and the people you, you obviously talk to a lot more people than I do. This one seems a lot darker than in the past. There's, the team, I think most would agree, went backwards this year. That looking at the prospects for next season, it's a, I think a better than 50% chance that we're going to have this same talk next year where we've missed the playoffs yet again. And. Uh, I always like to look more towards the longer term on these kinds of anniversaries, if you will, uh, and say, okay, well, what are we going to, what are we looking at? We're looking at what? You read three years before we're fighting for a Stanley Cup if everything goes according to Hoyle? Uh, well, it won't be next year. I've said I've said that several no, there's times. No chance. Yes. And even next and next year is just a starting of the rebuild, not a rebuild, whatever you want to call it, retooling. Um, the year after, I would hope that we're. We have a good showing in the playoffs, and the year after that would hopefully be when we're at our, at least the beginning of a zenith where we're competing for the cup. And then, so if we're looking at three years out, who's on this team today? Who's going to be on that team next uh, in three years' time? And you're down to literally three or four players, maybe a few more coming up from the AHL. But there's just so much work to be done. Um, and I think that's the most disheartening, really, is where do we... You know, we're looking at, and, and, and of course, there's going to be a lot of pain with that. And I think one of the pain points that, that I think a lot of, I don't know if our, our, our fearless leadership or whoever that becomes leaders are going to have the nerve to do it, but I think this, this offseason is the offseason that we trade Nugent Hopkins and get some good quality assets in the form of wingers to start the rebuild. Um, some, uh, some assets that are young and, and less expensive and full of talent and get better bang for a buck for Ryan Nugent Hopkins this offseason than we will the following one, certainly. So there's that. But, um, you know, looking at that roster, we need at least one, if not two, goalies three years from now. We need probably four more defensemen, uh, a couple of centers, if we presumably trade Hopkins, and, f- what, five or six uh, defensemen on top of that? The forward Sorry, mean? wingers. Sorry, wingers. I mean... You do the math, man. And we we need a head coach. We need a coach. We need probably to replace a couple of the assistant coaches. I can't imagine they'd all be back. We need to replace probably most of the amateur and pro scouts. And, of course, on top of all that, we've got the old boys to get rid of. 
Um, and, uh, you know, I leave it for last, but at the same time, it's the first thing, you know. When's the gesture to the to the to the fans, if nothing else, that some of these old boys get sent out the door? I, I was kind of shocked to hear Mike talking about how he'd like to see McTavish stay on, and it's like, really, man, you've got to be kidding me! I mean, this this is 25 years. We're now the worst team, as far as I can figure out, of the last 25 years in terms of win loss records. Oh yeah, for uh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and 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 we're sitting around saying. Let's keep some of those guys around. Are you kidding me? <laughs> you know, I don't know. It's a discouraging time, Reed. Uh, there's lots of challenges, hopefully. Gort, I just want, I, I'm just going to do one Go thing in the, our final minute together. I, I, sure. I very well thought out as, as usually are, uh, as you've probably heard me say sometimes, I, I agree that I think this if, if, and it's a big if, if the team is better next year, they're not much better. So realize what I'm saying. Maybe, maybe second wild card. Maybe uh, Nugent Hopkins. If and I think you like Nugent as a player. I don't think you're knocking him oh, as a player. I think he's awesome. So I just but, don't think we can afford him. But you're saying you would specifically trade him for forwards, not for a defenseman. Correct. I think there, hopefully there's enough talent in the defensive ranks, but our true long-term future is going to be based on having strong wingers to support those two great forwards that we have. And that's not going to come for free. And we haven't got the timeline to find the prospects internally to do it. We need to go out and buy talent that's got some degree of uh, provenness, if you will, uh, this offseason to, to stock it. Imagine this team if we had two quality wingers to go along with McDavid and... and, and, and uh, well, yeah, obviously. And, or, yeah, for, no, or if Nuge would have had a quality winger this season. Sure, exactly. So Gord, great three. to hear from you. Yeah, okay, buddy, take care. That is serious. Gord, John and Nicole up next. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Oilers wrapping things up with the Garbage Bag Day interviews yesterday. Nicholson and Keith Gretzky speaking to the media today. You can get more on 630Ched.com. Back to the phone lines in a second here. Some text to 630-630. Is there a chance Steve Iserman is a GM candidate? Well, I'll tell you what. I, I don't know if he's going to be a serious candidate. I mean, Bob Nicholson has said he's he's making a list of all the names that he would like to talk to. I think you would have to put Iserman on that list. Is Iserman going to want to talk about being the GM of the Oilers? That I'm not so sure about. As a matter of fact, I think it's unlikely. But we'll see. Uh, this texter says, why not bring in an older GM to mentor Keith Gretzky for a year or two, then let him be GM in the future? If the Oilers would think of this, why not someone like Glenn Sather? If he would do this, who else is better at that job than Sather? Just a thought. Oh, bringing Glenn Sather in as the GM? I, I don't think so. He has stepped away from that world. So I, I, don't, I, don't think, I don't think that would happen. Richard says, I think in the interest of having a deep forward core, we have to keep the Nuge and either draft or sign better defensemen and wingers. If you trade the Nuge, you will fill a hole but create another. And this is uh, after Sirius Gord said that he... And Sirius Gord, uh, you know, look, Gord's opinionated. Uh, he's, I, I enjoy when he calls in. He's a good guy. Um, and he was very specific. He, he said he would consider trading Nugent Hopkins for forwards. His, Gord's argument was you could get two good forwards for Nugent Hopkins and probably uh, have two for the same amount of money. But Gord does not hate the Nuge. He stated it clearly. He thinks he's an excellent hockey player. 
but this texter says, Serious Gord should be not so smart, Gord. Do not trade Nuge. He was one of four or five bright spots on this team. To me, he is untouchable like Nurse, Leon, and Connor. Okay, some of your texts to 630-630. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. We have John on the line. Hey, John. Hi, Reed. Oh, John, it's you. What's going on? Hey, man, how are you doing? Listen, uh, I'd like to talk about the upcoming draft and a bit out on our new GM. I, I, Rita had just flushed the this, this season. I mean, I can't get into a deep, de- depressing discussion on how terrible we're going to be next year because I don't think that's going to happen, actually. I think some good things are going to happen. But I, I was looking at the top ten projected uh, players for the draft uh, listed on Hockey News. And, you know, we're going to be picking around seven. We could move down as far as ten, but we could also move up. So I looked at the the draft picks they've got from six to ten, and there's two that really are what we need. The first is Trevor Zegras. Mm-hmm. He's out of the U.S. program. He can play. He's a, he's a center, and he can also play the wing. He's not that big, though. Isn't he pretty you know thin what? at this he point? He's 6 feet, 170 pounds. Okay. But he has elite scoring, and he's offensively gifted. He's the motor on whatever line he plays on. He's got vision and creativity, and he's ultra-skilled. Like, that doesn't that sound like a guy we could use? Sure. And then the other one in the same mold, also on the U.S. team, uh, that shared time with Jack Hughes, is Matthew Boldy. He is listed as a left wing. He's 6'2", 190. And he, um, he, is, he is listed as a sniper to come through that program. Uh, an elite scorer with a great shot, knows how to get into the scoring lanes, elite hands, unbelievable hand-eye coordination, one of the better scorers I've ever seen, with this program, that's pretty high praise. So I think either one of those two guys might be there. And if I were picking people in the draft, what I've looked at, Reed, is I just say, okay, who's going to get me some goals this coming year or in the near future? Well, yeah, not this coming year, but, yeah, maybe maybe down the road. Yeah, I mean, those those guys, I, I certainly Zagris is a higher-rated prospect. You wonder, too, where Bowen Byram goes, the defenseman out of Vancouver. Well, they say he's a terrific skater, he might go top but he four, needs to though, work so. on his turns. Yeah. But he is, a, he's, he likes to join the rush. He can get back. He makes good decisions. So, yeah, he's listed as six right now. So I just, I just think we're going to get somebody good that's going to help us. So, and then I think Evan Bouchard is going to come up, and I think he's going to play next year. Maybe not the first month, but I think he's... You know, he's the guy that's got the elite passing skills. He can hit those 60-foot passes. He can contribute on the power play. He's got a good shot. I mean, man, and and when he was up, you know, I thought he was cool and calm and collected, and I just didn't see him making a lot of stupid plays, Reed. He's very good with the puck. I I think clearly he's going to have to work on his defensive play and just that sort of hard, firm play in his own end. John, thanks for the call. Do you have any uh, stats on him this year? Uh, I will double check them. They were pretty good. Bouchard in uh, London had 53 points in 45 games, and he has 12 more points in six playoff games. Thanks, okay. John. So the other thing I wanted to just mention is, you know, with the new GM, uh, Reed, I'm with you. Like, uh, I guess it was Bob that said 
the new GM is going to have, you know, the ultimate decision on everything. And I, I really don't want to hear that. <laughs> I mean, uh, I would feel much better about the new setup is if there was some way that they could involve two or three of the top hockey pe people we've got to contribute to what the GM wants to do. And there's a way of, of doing that in, in a sort of semi-controlled way. And Rita, I don't even know if they're doing something like that already, but I'm thinking if there's a, a dollar value on a contract that's more than one or two million, just for argument's sake, or if it's a term of the contract that's more than, say, two years, where you, ha and if there's major deals, I think you want to have your top hockey people, you know, all part of that. Now, I don't know, Reed, maybe they do that. Right, that will, right. Already. that's how it should operate, but be, but you want the GM to have the ability to hire those people and, and be able to take it all in, in the right direction. John, thanks for all that stuff, man. Appreciate it. Okay, see, see you soon, Reed. Okay, that is John, 780-496-0063. Uh, one texter says, how about Brian Burke for GM? Well, he said several times he doesn't want to get back into that. Uh, interesting perspective here. This person says, Reed, with all due respect to Kelly McCrimmon, he had a clean slate with Vegas. The Oilers are far from a clean slate. Perhaps he's not the perfect fit after all. Well, there is an interesting question. Would you sooner, uh, Vegas is already in the league. Would you sooner be the next GM of the Edmonton Oilers or the first GM of the Seattle, whatever they're going to be called? By the way, that's a good team name, the whatever they're going to be called. We have Nicole on the line, 780-496-0063. Go ahead, Nicole. Hey, Reed. How you doing tonight? Good. So I just want to uh, join the chorus on with uh, anti-Gord. I, I wouldn't be trading Nuge. I think, actually, I'd be looking at stronger goaltending. Uh, I think that would have saved us a little bit this year, but that's just, I'm digressing there. Uh, I want to just jump in on this GM discussion. Um I, for me personally, I don't, I don't know enough about Keith Gretzky. You know, we keep hearing people say, well, he's a good, he's good at his job. What I really want to know is how much Keith Gretzky had in terms of discussions with Shirelli on the deals that were made. Uh -huh. So I didn't like many of the deals Shirelli made and Keith Gretzky was his right-hand man. So if somebody says to me that Keith Gretzky was right alongside with, Shirelli in those and agreed with those decisions, I don't want him to be our next GM. Um, I don't know how arrogant Shirelli was, so if, if Keith Gretzky is saying, no, I don't think we should be doing the Blaine Manning deal, or I don't think we should have traded Taylor Hall, um, and Shirelli went ahead with them right away, then I think we should consider Keith Gretzky just as long as anybody else. Um, I don't know if McCrimmon's the right guy, but I do think having pulling in an assistant GM who's worked under a good GM. So somebody who worked under Dave Poyle or somebody who worked under Doug Wilson. Um, I think those are the guys I personally would like to see. So somebody who's got a bit of experience, but somebody who's worked along someone who's put together really strong teams. So that's just my two cents on the GM thing. Um, I do want to get your input though on one area and that's on advanced analytics. Okay. So I heard something quite recently that was a bit shocking to me that most teams in the NHL now are, are doing some form of advanced analytics like oh, absolutely. Toronto has like a, they have a been for a while yeah yeah but what I what the stat that kind of surprised me was I was told that there's really only three teams in the NHL that don't have their own in-house advanced analytics team and that's Edmonton Ottawa and Buffalo is that true 
as as far as I know, Edmonton. Well, see, I think they might have contracted a company to give analytics for them. I thought they had analytics people. I know Shirelli probably leaned on it a little bit less than uh, than other GMs. I think you'd be foolish not to. And they did reference having having analytics. Uh, I but yes, they in the past. I know in the past they had another company that they used. Uh, I yeah, would think a team would be foolish not to consider a lot of that stuff. Yeah, and, and I heard, like, I, I live in Calgary, um, so I'm surrounded by this awful flame stuff. Um, but I was told that, you know, like, the Flames have six guys in-house. Toronto has n- have nine guys in-house. They don't use the NHL analytics. They do their own analytics, which is how Calgary ended up with a guy like, you know, Derek Ryan. Um, well, Bill, the Bill Peters connection there too, right? What's that, the right? Bill, the oh, Bill yes, Peters yes. relationship, too. Yes, for sure. But my point being, if it's if that's the case and the three teams that are sitting at the bottom of the league are not using advanced analytics, then I think we also need, Edmonton needs to look at that and what that role is because that also makes a big difference in your draft picks. And, you know, I know your scouts and that sort of stuff, they, if that's the direction people are going and they're having success uh, and Edmonton's not doing it, then you need a GM and you need a scouting staff that's on top of that. Well, he, here's what this is all about for me, Nicole. And as I'm sure you can uh, you can guess, peop, I'm already getting texts from people who saying they hate analytics. <laughs> because, yeah. uh, which, whatever. What the Oilers' next general manager is going to have to do is he is going to have to find skills in players that are currently undervalued. Yep. And, and I hate to mention Moneyball, but what did Billy Bean find in Moneyball? That on-base percentage, while a stat that all general managers knew about, was something that they didn't pay for. Yeah. So he decided, I'm going to uh, treat a walk just like a hit and get those guys and and get those guys cheap. And that's why I'm going to take this slightly off what you're saying. I'm going to predict right now, and I said this after Saturday's game, that next year the Oilers will have two players on their opening day roster who played in a European Pro League this past season. Because I think Joel Pearson is going to be on the opening day roster on defense, and I bet they find a forward who they think is fast enough and skilled enough to score in the NHL, whether it's out of Sweden, Finland, or the KHL, or wherever. Because that's the type of player they can get cheap. Right which is what they need. But yes. I know here, like I know in Calgary, you know, you hear about the, the chatter and, you know, people will often say, well, why is Calgary so much better this year? And I look at what Calgary is and everybody talks about, well, we got to get rid of Nugent and get in two extra players. And, or I look at, you look at Arizona. I'll put Arizona there. Arizona should not have been half as good on no. paper as what everybody thought. You look at L.A. on paper, L.A. should have been way better. Anaheim should have been way better. So everybody's talking about, should we get rid of Nuge or should we sign these great players? Well, maybe maybe the difference is Gambardella or Curry down down low. I like I like Colby Cave's game. I think it's finding where their assets are. So, like, for example, Derek Ryan, his, his skill set is tipping pucks, right? So you find where he's at and you utilize him in the best way. I look at how Hitchcock utilized... I think he used Zach Cassian better than Todd McClellan ever did by putting Cassian on that top line. So putting Cassian on the fourth line, he didn't show well. Put him on the first line, of course, anybody. I could look good with Connor that, McDavid. That's a, but, that's a good point. The Flames uh, I'll, the Flames did pay for Ryan. Don't forget that. He's getting over $3 million a year, so he wasn't a total bargain. Nicole, I, this do, was... Do this... you think anybody... 
do you think, though, anybody thinks that would have thought at the time that Derek Ryan was a great deal? I don't think anybody would have. No, good no point. Thought- yeah, people thought he might be overpaid. Absolutely. Right. So, and he's, a, he's maybe not the best example. I don't know. And I don't want No, but he is a good example because he's of- made Calgary better. And that's a role oh. that he fills in Calgary that Edmonton didn't have, even with Strom. Yeah. Uh, and you just- look at. One, Hinnestroza in Anaheim, or you look at Hinnestroza, how much stronger he is. And, and it just to me, like, I look at just the sheer work ethic and the grind play of Arizona. And so, I, like, I know we don't, we, I'm with you in that I don't think we're going to make huge strides next year because I don't think we have the ability. If you get rid of Nuge, I don't know how you, how you replaced him up the middle. Uh, no one's taking Lucic off our hands. No. He's the one if you could get rid of him, buy some salary cap on him. We're we we're really tight, so I think we have to find ways to make better use of the players we have, and it's going to be grinding players and the guys like the the Matt Hendricks, that type of a player who can come in and just show straight work ethic. That's what I think Chris Russell brings to the team. So to me, that's the coach's job. But I think we we've got to find a GM. We I don't think we can bring in a raw GM that's never done the job because it's too big of a mess. Uh, Shirley left us in a big mess. But who else's hands were in it? I don't know. Nicole, um, I got to run. Just one quick Corey. thing for point of accuracy. Hall was traded before Keith Gretzky was here. But oh, uh, I, I understand why you're asking about some of the other deals. Thanks, yeah, Nicole. Thanks. Talk to you again. It. Okay, bye-bye. All right, take a quick break, and then we have Zach up next on the phones. from Bert Ernie and Oscar later. Big Bird says if DeBrincat and Strom playing in uh, playing together in Chicago, would bringing in Connor Brown from Toronto make sense to play with McDavid? I think they played together in Erie. There was a rumor out there at the deadline that the Oilers were looking at Connor Brown. Uh, Connor Brown played on Erie one year with McDavid on a line. It was when McDavid was in the AHL or in the OHL as a, as a 15-year-old. Uh, and McDavid had 99 points in 56 games. Brown led the Otters with 128 points in 68 games. So that they did play together, not extensively, and when McDavid was pretty young, but they did play together. Cal says, Hi, Reed. I honestly don't think we are too far off from making the playoffs. Just six more wins this year, and we'd be in. So if the Oilers could pick up a good goalie for a backup and a couple of better wingers, that is all we need. I think we have two very good defensemen in the minors who will make the team next year. That is from Cal. Terry says, if it's not a proven great general manager like Iserman, then stick with Gretzky instead of hiring a new green general manager. Some of the texts to 630-630. We have Zach on the line. Good evening, Zach. Hi. Um, just calling in uh, because of the last uh, caller and all these questions about analytics and stuff. And I've been sort of dabbling in that um, and blogging about it for about nine years now and gone to several um, international conventions on uh, hockey analytics. Uh, You mentioned Moneyball. So the the first thing to know about hockey and baseball is there's there's a big difference in the predictive value of statistics. Absolutely. My point was was finding value in things that are undervalued by other general managers. For sure. Um, so the, the the next thing to know is that there is a very, very rich history um, from Oilers fans 
and bloggers in particular in regards to analytics. And a lot of the concepts that came out of the blogosphere come specifically out of the Oilers blogosphere. So even terms like and, and even the even the term Corsi, I mean Jim Corsi, although he, he developed his Corsi stat with Buffalo, was a member of the Edmonton Oilers. So there's all sorts of like weird things surrounding <laughs> analytics and the Oilers. Of course, it, we did try some things with Tyler Dello and Dallas Eakins. Mm-hmm. There was something that happened there where Tyler Dello, who was a blogger from the Copper and Blue blog, and then went on to have his own blog, was you know kind of snapped up by Eakins, and he apparently was trying to use some of these analytics in coaching in his coaching methodology, but then uh, was later dismissed by Shirelli, right? And then after being dismissed by Shirelli, Della was hired by New Jersey. I think he's still there, but I'm not really sure. Uh, I think he was, wasn't he just recently hired by New Jersey? Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, like, I, 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 haven't been follow, I don't follow on Twitter that closely and that sort of thing. So Five, but five days thing, ago, he was hired by New Jersey. There you go. Okay. So the other thing that I wanted to mention has to do with what has been happening in analytics. And um, basically, in the last three years, there's been a huge shift. And of course, I don't have any proof on it. But from the comments that Shirelli made, a lot of his choices were driven by analytics, but not traditional analytics. I think his choices, particularly in the Hall trade, were driven by microstats. So what's happened in the last three years is there's a company called Logic IQ, or, or sorry, Sport Logic, which is um, a machine vision company where actually they have a huge staff of analytics people and everything. And what happens is they have computers watch all of the NHL games. And from this machine vision, they generate a whole bunch of microstats. And I saw presentations on this, like, I think in 2016 and 2017. So, so, Zach, we're getting tight for time here, but what's an example of a microstat? So, for example, Shirelli says, I wanted to have... um, I wanted to trade Hall for Larson because Larson is one of the top guys in the league for a defensive touch, for defensive touches or something. Now, that kind of statistic does not show up on the score sheet. The only way that Shirelli could have that statistic is if he was using microstats from uh, probably from Sport Logic. Well, and he ta- and I remember once he talked about uh denying zone entries and zone exits. I think you might have been talking about Chris yeah, Russell. Yeah, so if, it, if it's something that's not on the score sheet, it has to come from somewhere else. Okay, so Zach, do you support that kind of data or, or not in picking players? Well, I think the best decisions are holistic. They have to be made. They, they have to make sense. And what I didn't like about Shirelli is he was not risk-averse. He took He gambled all the time. And he gambled big, and I think that was his biggest problem. You know, for example, it may be okay to trade Hall, but to trade Hall and Eberly and sign two old guys, like two old UFAs, you know, all on the first day of your, you know, practically thinking about all this stuff on the first day of the job, like that's a really, really big gamble, you know. 
So that was my problem with it, with his specific decisions. But I think when the visual lines up with the spreadsheet, you know, when the hockey guys and the stats guys say the same thing, that's when you have the strongest case. Well, that's a really good point. That's a, and, and focusing on just one stat is, is, is fair. It doesn't make him a good player on the whole. Zach, right. who did you write for? Uh, copper and blue. Were you the gentleman that called in about Cam Talbot's uh, high-quality save percentage when we had that argument with that caller, Cam, that hated Talbot? Yeah, that was me. Yeah, I remember you. Okay, buddy, I got a break for the news. I, I really appreciate the insight. Excellent call, and I'll talk to you again, okay? Thank you. Kelly Rudy, when we get back. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.